on this week's episode of Good For You. Friends don't let friends. Scalp tickets alone. Do it together. Day of. Have a plan. Ask Michelle Palazan. (laughs) (laughs) I do have a plan. (laughs) Hello and welcome to Good For You. Good for you, man. Good for you. Good for you. podcast about the things we ghosted, the purchases that haunt us, the best products, services, and industry happenings in the wellness, well-being, and spiritual space. We're going to give you a healthy little dose of fun. We're going to talk about the things that are happening in pop culture, the ones that got away, the things in our cart that are haunting us or ghosting us, our strong opinions that are loosely held. <laughs> we like to call this the Grex. The group text. The group text in your ear. So come say hello. Join us in the audio Grex, where friends don't let friends get, get scammed. Uh, hi Wallace. Hi Michelle. How are you doing? I'm good because this weekend in LA was blissfully quiet. <gasps> Do you want to know why? Why? Because everyone was at Coachella, and oh, I yeah. totally forgot about Coachella until it was happening, and. Honestly, I heard more people saying like, I'm so glad that everyone's gone and at Coachella than I saw people being like, I'm so happy I'm at Coachella. I don't know. Maybe that says more about me than Coachella. I forgot about Coachella until someone offered me a ticket. And then I was like, when is it? Oh, next week. (laughs) (laughs) And then I was like, oh, I'll actually be in LA. So it's a potential. And then I was like, how do I get there? It's a whole thing. It feels like a lot of work. I, this sound, I sound like an asshole. I'm sure it's so fun. But I was once told there's no point if you're not in VIP. I've been told the exact same thing. This person, of course, <laughs> who is offering the VIP ticket was like, well, there's actually no point unless really you have an artist pass. <laughs> and I was like, okay, well, I'm never going. Fine. Keep raising the stakes. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> Coachella is continuously this idea in my mind. I want to go one day, but will it just be lame by the time I get there or will it be really cool again? I feel the exact same way. We were talking about how this is also somewhat how we feel about Burning Man. Yes. I mean, equally sweaty probably and equally sandy. I don't like the idea of Burning Man just like not being able to take a shower for so many days in a row. No, I think after I realized I'm more of a glamping (laughs) girly than a camping girly. I was like, maybe (laughs) Burning Man's not for me. (laughs) But it can totally be for other people. I could get into it. I don't have the stamina. Just I never have and I never will have the stamina to go to something like Coachella. I want to hope that I do, but I just don't. Like I'm not that fun for that many hours and I'm always hungry and I'm always thirsty. And I feel like Coachella would just be a horrible ring of fire if you're someone who is just like a bottomless pit and needs to eat constantly because everything is either way too expensive or soggy or sold out or there's no water. And it's also like 100 degrees in the desert. If you're a creature comforts person, it's not for you. No. Music festivals, you have to want to go. (laughs) You can't be at a music festival being like, I hate music festivals. (laughs) Right, exactly. Or even lukewarm. Like you don't have to be full full hatred, but you kind of have to just like go full throat, you know? That's true. I mean, seems like people are not digging Coachella in general. We're not alone on this. Burn it. What? I said burn it. Well, maybe I should go to Coachella first. So there's two things. One of them is the actual experience of Coachella, which 
neither of us have experienced. <laughs> so it's funny that we're talking about it. And then there is the cultural phenomenon and content of Coachella, which every year around this time, it's happening. Well, I, I don't think you need to go exactly to Coachella to still experience the effects of Coachella. The fashion, the look. Which is honestly kind of more of the point of Coachella is the reach, right? Like that's why it's become such a brand activation for Revolve and I don't know, every influencer on the planet and this, that, and the other thing. Like everyone who's everyone, McDonald's has to be at Coachella, you know? Also, who's going to show up with whom? Exactly. It is Timothy Chalamet going with Kylie Jenner. Did it happen? I don't know. I don't know if they were there or not. Maybe they're going to be there week weekend too. Who knows? But I think that like the collective malaise that we're feeling around and just like general, I don't know, influencer ennui is so interesting. And Coachella seems like such an example of like overconsumption, influencer culture, class culture in a way mm -hmm. <laughs> with those VIP and artist past only yeah. tickets that everyone's just like over it. Like we no longer aspire to go there because it's just annoying. It is far. It is hot to your point. It is expensive, but is it still a quality music festival? Maybe that's the thing. Culturally, maybe it's falling out, but is it still a quality festival in terms of the performances? Maybe. I mean, is Coachella actually doing a full reset to be about the music again, as opposed to about the looks and the revolve halls and, you know, the pool parties? Because, you know, influencers will like go to Coachella just to take pictures and they won't even go see like the artists. That's like going to a restaurant and just taking photos of the food, which I and think then people leaving. also do. I mean, no, but usually you eat it at least. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, I, I know that there are influencers, food influencers who will order everything on the menu, but not touch it oh. because they're getting the picture. Right. That makes me want to die inside. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but it's the same thing with clothes. I mean, I think Revolve yeah. changed their um, return policy. So you can only return, I think, $1,500 worth of clothes a year because influencers were buying thousands of dollars of, clo from, of clothes from them, taking pictures in them and then returning all of them. And um, it was absolutely crushing Revolve's numbers. Their P&L looked like a, a fucking mess because they were getting millions of dollars worth of returns every year. Okay. I wonder how much of that is also like the commercial and movie production industry versus like just influencers because <laughs> that's, that's what stylists do and, and kind of have to do. When I've worked with stylists on commercial shoots, so much of it is what is your wardrobe? What can you borrow from friends? What do you have on hand? What budget do you have? And then how much time do you have to return everything you bought? There's a lot of that in LA, especially. So I imagine that there's a lot of it for influencing too. Yeah. The overconsumption is getting to a gross point. I mean, we're, we've hit the de-influencing it's, it's a bit much, but... I do think it's kind of cool that maybe Coachella is going to be about the music again. Who knows? Hopefully it was still about the music for every, all of those thousands of people that went. <laughs> That'd be so sad if it was just people taking photos the whole time. It looked fun. I mean, from what I saw of, of friends who went, it was like, okay, that's cool. You look like you're having a good time. It's a music festival. I know it's not your thing. It used to be something I thoroughly enjoyed. I haven't been to one in so long, so I don't know. I'm going to kind of an old person one in Pasadena. Wait, I love that. Which one? Yeah, I think it's called Reset. 
and we're going to go see James Blake. We're just going on yes. Monday, on Friday. I'm kind of yeah. like, I'm scared, but I'm excited. Why scared? Just, you know, like, again, I worry about my stamina because honestly, a full concert is a little boring to me sometimes. <laughs> a full concert? Yeah. I'm like, okay, let's get it going. Can we go at 2x speed? Come on. You know, or just like play the songs I like. <laughs> so how long are you going to go for? Because I'm also trying to go to that in New York and I'll probably just go for one day, but it's probably like a five hour day, right? Yeah, probably. I think it starts at like three and probably goes to 11. And there's people I want to see, but I just don't know. Not that many. Not that many. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. AKA James Blake. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty much it. I mean, I'll be happy to see everyone else, but he's who I'm there for. Honestly, that's the only person I want to see at the festival. I, and uh, Dijon. I don't mm. know what day he's on, but he's mm. fun. Okay, well, Coachella, guys, let us know. Did you go? Is it relevant? Is it coming back around to relevancy? Has it hit its rock bottom and now it's all going up? Or are we still on the downswing? Let us know. Okay, should we jump into our next segment? Good for who? Good for you. Good for you. Good for who? Good for you. We're circling back to a conversation that we started a bit ago. We were both a little tentative to kind of like talk mm -hmm. about this influencer, Lee mm -hmm. Tilgman. I'm just going to say Lee from America because that's her handle. And we brought her up because she was teaching these classes on what, how to stop being an influencer. And she was using her platform, Instagram, <laughs> to promote these classes. So she was using her influencer status to promote her class on how to stop being an influencer. And we mm -hmm. both were like, that's suspicious. That's interesting. But, you know, both did not sign up for the class. I wouldn't qualify. <laughs> Me neither. I'm not an influencer. <laughs> so she's back in the news. She's back in action. She was in the New York Times. And the title was of this article for Lee Tilgman is their life after influencing. And it's all about her leaving influencing to go get a full-time job. And now not having a full-time job, but being a full-time creator <laughs> um, of her Substack, And I just have to read you as I was reading this article, the gasp I gasped was insane. Mm -hmm. Let me just read this quote. Lee's talking about, she just got a full-time job and she's talking to one of her coworkers. Her coworker pulled her aside the first morning, wanting to impress upon her the stakes of that decision. This is terrible. He, he told her, like, I'm at a desk. You don't get it. Miss Tilgman said, remembered saying, you think you're a slave, but you're not. He had it backwards, she added. When you're an influencer, then you have chains on. Yikes. <laughs> well, Big breath. I feel like that's not a good way to get started. Well, I think this article, I want I wanted a little bit more, but I think mainly it was it's about Lee and her trajectory. And it centers around this theme, which was quite popular last year. I haven't seen as much writing about it recently, but influencer burn and the not so glamorous life of being an influencer slash content creator, because a lot of what these burnout articles talk about is you are kind of at the whims of the moving target that is the new algorithm every few weeks on all of these different platforms, whether it's TikTok or Instagram and that that's exhausting to keep up with. And this is not necessarily a new trend or a new story, but it's something that is coming back into the conversation. And I think it's interesting to see that this year, this is one of those articles that I think will spawn a whole new subset of discussion around this again, because I haven't seen that much recently. It was around this time last year where this topic was circulating a lot in a few different publications. 
So, okay, this is not new because in terms of the mechanism behind a lot of the social media platforms that a lot of creators depend on, not that much has changed. Also, how people monetize and make money from content hasn't changed that much. That includes publishers and um, content creators and influencers. So I think a lot of this frustration comes back to having to coordinate like brand deals and making money through advertising, ultimately, even as a content creator and influencer. So all this to say, I'm kind of like, yeah, feel you. All right. Now you're pivoting into a new type of content creation. That's cool. I don't know. Yeah, no, I agree. And let's call it what it is. Yeah. But I will say, I think it's totally tone deaf to be like, you're a slave and you're a chained. Like, you, oh my no. God, you had to wake up and post on Instagram. Like, what a hard life. And like, listen, I'm not trying to say that some people's work is less than other people's work. Like, work is challenging, right? But mm -hmm. it's one thing to be a trauma nurse. That is a hard Yeah. Right? Yeah. That's a hard job that people burn out of versus yes. an influencer who's making $300,000 a year posting on Instagram about smoothie bowls and mm -hmm. like voluntarily posting parts of their lives. Yeah. No one is forcing you here. <laughs> no. And I think that this is just like another flavor of influencing. It's the same, same. Yeah. Like I'm not following the narrative, I guess, that like this is so different from what she was doing before. Well, according to this article, it kind of closes with the girls who get it, get it. And I don't think we get it. I don't think I'm a girl who gets it, unfortunately. <laughs> I don't get it. Again, to each his own, not yucking anyone's yum, but I think it's a bit of a snake eating its own tail situation. Yeah. And the article points out that there are influencers and creators who have been at this for a decade, who've been making content since they were 12 on the internet or 14 or 19. And yeah. that's our generation, right? Like 10 years ago, I was whatever, 24, you were 22. We Many people have spent their adult lives mostly making a business of themselves. And to get back into the corporate world, you might feel like, oh my God, I don't have a resume or don't have anything. To, what can I possibly offer? And oh my gosh, influencers or creators, they're like one-stop production shops. They're Oh, amazingly yeah. like ready for the work the workplace if they want to go there and want to be there absolutely oh my goodness so much so especially just being a self-starter in general that's really hard to teach and is an extremely valuable asset no matter which way you spin it mm -hmm. but I kind of wonder if that's what people are burned out by it's just being your own boss and that's kind of I think what the article is alluding to yes of yeah. course like sharing your life and getting criticized and having it available for the public is exhausting, but it's also just exhausting to run your own business when you are the product. Absolutely. I think similarly to how entrepreneurship has been glamorized in so many different ways and circles, being a content creator or influencer is absolutely glamorized. And not to say that it can't be fun and rewarding for some people, it absolutely clearly is. But that doesn't mean, to your point, it's not really hard work, grueling hours at times and very difficult mm -hmm. to do. So if 54% of Gen Z and millennial Americans said they were interested in, in being influencers yeah. four years ago, do we think that they still would, given all of the burnout that we've seen over the last couple of years, especially post-pandemic, do you think that they'd still say, I want to be, number one job is I want to be a content creator? 
Yeah, that's a very good question. I wonder if that sentiment is changing with younger generations. This is making me think about how there's been, I've talked to a few people about this idea of our generation has returned to very like traditional ideas and ceremonies around marriage compared to our parents. Mm -hmm. I wonder if Gen Z is going to return to, I just want to be a dentist. (laughs) I just want to be... A lawyer. Mm-hmm. Don't I don't want to be a slashy. I don't want to be creative. I just want to punch in and punch out of this situation, which I mean, dentists and lawyers are extremely important and valuable. I just mean in terms of a linear defined path. I really think that people are looking for that. I think in a, a recession, that is when mm-hmm. you you crave some sort of structure. And mm-hmm. of course, if you work at a company, you're on the line for being, you know, cut at some point or laid off because of budgets, but you have a lot more safety than being an influencer or a consultant who, if you don't know where your next paycheck is from, it's not like you can go collect unemployment necessarily, or that you're going to get paid a severance once you lose a client. That's just not how it works. It's, it all falls on your shoulders and that can be exhilarating and really fun and offer you a lot of freedom. But uh, at a time where like the earth is a little shaky underneath us because of what's happening economically. Um, I don't know if like if young people are so stoked on the freedom. I think maybe they want the security. So to bring it back around to Lee from America, I think it's totally fine to offer other services and still be a content creator. And I think she's taking the route that works, right? She's being divisive. Oh, yeah, definitely. And I would say that that's still an influencer strategy. <laughs> for sure <laughs> it's like same same playbook just a different name and i think where people are bristling is like the fact that she's not owning that she has a role and a say in how her influencing career took over her life like there was some choice in there yeah it was making me think about how generally people have no sympathy or time for celebrities <laughs> who complain about being famous mm-hmm. and i see both sides There are a lot of famous people who decide they don't want that life and leave and they don't come back. But there are some people who struggle with it, but also struggle with how to transform the desire to connect in a public way with people. And I look at Lee's writing and I look, she has a sub stack now. I look at her Instagram and I'm like, it's okay that you might like this type of dialogue. Mm -hmm. It's also fine to be not happy with the way that these platforms work and to want to find other ways of being. The narrative just becomes so black or white, I guess, for the purpose of publicity and driving eyes and this conversation even that we're having. Mm -hmm. But it's like, maybe you also kind of like part of this and like connecting with people in this way. And that's fine. Clearly she does or else she wouldn't have a public platform anymore. If that was the the thing. If she yeah. wanted to just live her life, she wouldn't be writing about it to 20,000 people on a, a public substack that she gets paid for. Yeah. But there's nothing wrong with the fact that she does. Yeah. I think what she's trying to is people who don't know how to translate those skills, it seems like. But man, if you're a content creator slash influencer out there, you have so many skills. Yeah. Don't feel like you're trapped in doing whatever it is that you, you know, making your beauty content on YouTube. There's a million things that you could do, a million companies that would be delighted to have you work for them in growth marketing or in producing or honestly, yeah, probably in just marketing in general. Absolutely. 
anyway, who's this good for this influencer? I don't know, maybe the death of the influencer, the, the death of influencer is ultimate job. Yeah, I'm curious because I read somewhere that influencer marketing spending is only going up and up and up. It's not going anywhere. Yeah. Brand deals, partnerships, affiliate stuff. Culturally, there's more of this noise around it, or I shouldn't say noise because I think it's good discussion. There's culturally more discussion around this, but I feel when I read about marketing spends, it doesn't seem like that is being deprioritized. No, because influencer marketing still works. <laughs> like yeah. it just, it really does. And content marketing is influencer marketing. And we know that that's what works, especially like as things change with privacy laws and mm -hmm. meta and ads in general and influencers, by the way, if you're worried about AI taking over your job, if you're on video talking about something that you love, then AI can't take over your job. They maybe can write an article for SEO, but like they, they can't make an influencer video, maybe a deep fake. Yeah. But yeah, I'm like, oh, <laughs> a story it's coming. Day. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yikes. Anyway. Yes. Who is this good for? I think this discussion is net good yeah. for everyone. Great publicity for Lee. Amen. And hey, if it makes newsletters great again, then I'm all for it. Yes, they are great. <laughs> Let's talk about our sexy, unique scam. Okay. So this also is kind of an evergreen, sexy, unique scam that we've talked about here and there, but I think warrants a little bit of a deeper discussion because I know you, Michelle, have had some direct experience with the scam trying to get Taylor Swift tickets. So the sexy, unique scam is ticket resale with an asterisk being Ticketmaster is the sexy, unique scam, the monopoly of it all. They've done studies, you know, 60% of the time, it works every time. That doesn't make sense. So do you know the whole debacle with the Taylor Swift tickets? Because I feel like you do. Do I know? I Do I Can know? You share your experience. <laughs> <laughs> I was personally impacted by the Taylor Swift ticket math master debacle of 2022. Yes, me, my sister and my sister-in-law, Callie, all got pre-sale access. I was a Capital mm -hmm. One member. I should have gotten first dips on tickets. We all mm. waited in line for an extremely long time, finally got let out of the waiting room. And every time we tried to buy tickets, as soon as we would add them to cart, they would be sold. So like we probably added, I don't know, a dozen times tickets to cart. And by the time we could go to checkout, which is literally a second later, they had been bought by somebody else. So we did not secure the bag for any tickets anywhere of any of the locations that we wanted to go to. So we do not have tickets to Taylor Swift and we are devastated, but we will somehow get through it. <laughs> we will prevail. Yes. Did anyone you know get tickets? And what was the story that came out after My this next happened? door neighbor got tickets and she was like, oh, I got them like on a whim because I'm going to resell them. And I was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> are you? And then I couldn't be like, well, can you resell them to me? Because she obviously wanted to yeah. make a profit off of them. But Yes, I have heard of some people getting tickets who wanted to for how much? resell them for a lot, like $600 a pop. Right. So this has been happening with Ticketmaster for a while and the prices have just been going up and up and up. And part of the problem is not only does Ticketmaster and Live Nation have the monopoly on ticket sales, but there's 
so little transparency around the original ticket price, the fees, and then what's happening with the secondary market. Mm -hmm. So there are investigations and accusations against Ticketmaster, but not much is happening and not much has changed. So the attorney general in Pennsylvania and Tennessee have launched investigations after the T-SWIFT debacle. And the U.S. Senate Antitrust Committee also announced that it would be holding a hearing on the competition in the ticket industry. But I just feel like this has got scam, 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 scam written all over it. And the inflated fees on top of the ticket prices are obscured because no one knows how many tickets are actually available on Ticketmaster. Then there's the secondary market where other sites are selling the same tickets with a higher fee, which are potentially sponsored by Ticketmaster themselves. The only thing that's really happened was there was a better online ticket sales act in 2016 called the Bots Act for short, and it targets bots and programs used by scalpers to amass large numbers of tickets. But the problem is the FTC, which is in charge of enforcing this Bots Act, has only brought a single enforcement under the act so far. So basically, someone is in bed with Ticketmaster and the FTC, and lots of people are making lots of money off of this. But the reason that I bring this up is Josh and I were sitting at a counter for lunch at this restaurant in the West Village over the weekend. And we started to talk to a random guy beside us. He was very talkative. And he immediately launched into the fact that he's selling Taylor Swift tickets. I mean, did you secure the bag? (laughs) Well, no, because he was selling them for (gasps) $2,200. No. Like a a box, (gasps) you know. He's, this is a big Although time ticket. A box, a box for $2,200 seems like a steal. I know, that's true. I don't even know. But I was like, what's the deal? How long have you been doing this? And he has been doing this for 30 years. And I was like, what has changed in your industry over the past little while? It's like, well, you know, it's really about supply and demand and then like people making money off of each other in each like chain of command situation. He's like, but really Ticketmaster now hoards all of the tickets until no one's buying them anymore and then they'll lower the price. So as it gets closer to the concert, what whatever hasn't sold, they'll start lowering the price. But part of the people buying huge swaths or tickets are these huge ticket brokers. Hmm. So someone like this guy, the scalper, has relationships with all of these big ticket brokers who he'll buy packages or certain seats from and then resell them. Wow. So it's all a resell game still. I I mean, that's illegal, right? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, he is not advertising this business, except for he actually did give us his business. (laughs) I mean, I'm like, can, can this guy get me some Taylor Swift tickets? Because, well, yeah. So, I don't know. Honestly, I'll send you his number. He definitely texts Josh. I was like, Josh, you have to text him, just make some kind of connection so he remembers who we are in case we need some tickets one day. Mm-hmm. So, he texted him, Hey, man, great to meet you. We had a good time chatting mm-hmm. or something. And he replied, Great hearing from you. Another day of tickets. Just trying to keep positive. <laughs> Taylor Swift is insane. <laughs> Anyways, I love New York. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was a New York moment. But I was thinking of you because we were talking about Taylor Swift and the scam of it all. And I was like, man, what a not unique or sexy scam 
really. It's actually a horrible, <laughs> horrible scam for all of us. True. It's impacting us all. And and the artists, because the artists don't they yeah. still make a lot of money, but they don't make as much money as what their tickets are going for. No. And there's just no transparency. So nobody really knows what's going on other than Ticketmaster. And they hold the monopoly and doesn't really look like there's much change in sight because apparently the FTC doesn't care. And it's also you like breaking into that business is impossible at this point, right? Yeah. As Ticketmaster and Live Nation own so many venues and ticket so many venues that you just... Like yeah. you're, you wouldn't be able to compete. Yeah. I don't know who, how you could even like a startup could, could get in that space. I don't know either. It's like a lot of startups in the music industry face this problem too, because of so many of the big record labels just own everything. Mm-hmm. They have so many lobbyists working constantly to make sure that nobody disrupts the market. Mm-hmm. And they've just been so big for so long. I think it's, it's really sad. Yeah. And because of capitalism and not a ton of oversight, those companies don't get investment because investors know yeah. there's no way, like they're not going to break exactly. into this. It's kind of like if you wanted to be a search engine, <laughs> investors would be like, there's Google. And we saw what Good happened luck. with Bing. Uh, like we're not yeah. going <laughs> to, we're not going to give you money for that unless it's DuckDuckGo. That's, but even DuckDuckGo, I, I feel like hasn't really like <laughs> hit peak saturation. Well, I think if Google continues down the path of just pages of ads, then people will switch. Yeah, but then there's the argument that people are just going to places like TikTok, like for our search. We're not really looking for a new search engine. Right. That's true. It's an interesting conversation for another day, but sexy, unique scam, Ticketmaster. Amen. And if you have Taylor Swift tickets, I'd love to buy them. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Or if you need a guy, I know a guy. Welcome, valued customer. Lately, I've just been like, isn't having money just a scam? <laughs> just buying things. <laughs> just something. And I was thinking about that with the Sephora sale because Sephora's annual sale, I think, semi-annual sale is happening right now. They're VIB. So funny that they like get us to be very important beauty buyers by spending <laughs> lots of money. And then they're like, we'll give you a discount if you spend more money here. <laughs> Like, we'll give you tax off, yeah, exactly. free shipping. We'll give you a tiny little, extra tiny little free sample of something that you don't want. <laughs> On your birthday, maybe. Yeah. But nonetheless, it is the Sephora sale. Is there anything that you're adding to cart? Or the, anything that's in your haunted cart? Haunted cart. Okay, so we briefly talked about this before. I got really excited. And then I sat and thought about it and looked at the site for a second. And I think what is worthwhile is actually looking at the Sephora collection. And if there's anything you like in there, because the Sephora line is extra discounted okay. right now, which is cool. Do you want to know a good dupe? We talked about dupes last week, but Dior yes. used to make this like aerosol spray foundation that was awesome. Oh. It's called Dior Flash, I think. They And they discontinued it. Sephora has the same foundation, pretty much the exact same formulation in a better shade range and it's really affordable. So if you are looking for a good foundation that's like good for weddings and Whoa. stuff like that, good for pictures, Sephora has one. I was just thinking, I was like, sounds like a spray tan in a bottle. <laughs> kind of. <laughs> but it's not. I know it's, it's not. not. <laughs> okay, that's a good point. Like Sephora collection, if you're looking for something. They, they generally have good, pretty good makeup, I would say. Yeah. What about you? I'm kind of like making my way through a bunch of my products that I hadn't been using or that have been sitting in my counter on my counter for a while. And I like it. Like it feels good to get mm. empty. I did just refill some Aesop moisturizer that I bought probably two years ago. But if I was going to get anything, wow. like I kind of am not, I'm not in the mood for new makeup. I don't need anything new. Yeah. But I do love those Dr. Dennis Gross peel pads. Those things, yes. they work, man. They work so well. They do. 
You gave me two of them when I was in LA last and they really do work. They're amazing. And I think if you're looking for like fancy hair stuff or like new perfume, this is a good time Mm. to buy that stuff. But I'm just not in the mood for any of it. I don't know. I don't want more things right now. Spring cleaning, man. We're shedding. Did I tell you I just like went absolutely ham on cleaning products because I was getting sick after our house was getting cleaned? Yeah, I can't do anything with a strong scent. It's interesting how this happens. After I stopped wearing perfume for a while because I just didn't buy it and then I started to generally be like, ooh, I want stuff that's not unscented, but just less scented. And now I'm so sensitive to strong scents. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was like getting migraines and waking up with headaches after like the day after we were getting our house cleaned, which we're so lucky we got our house cleaned twice a month. And yeah, I was like, okay, it's time to time to go au natural. Time to switch it up. Mm Okay. But not just with zero waste baking soda, because I'm sorry, but that, that <laughs> shit <work>. doesn't work. <laughs> no. Guess what? Bleach works. Unfortunately, <laughs> unfortunately it does. Yeah. So looking for bleach, bleach-ish alternatives, but nothing in the carts. Really? Sounds like. Nothing in the carts. The, the carts are not haunted. The carts are empty. That's kind of a lovely way to end. Yeah. If you like this episode, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or five stars on Spotify and tell your, tell your friends about us. Let them know. Let them know. We're here. We are. We're really nice and we talk about cool things. (laughs) (laughs) That's it. That's the post. Um, And go ahead and follow us on Instagram at goodforyoupod and let us know what you thought of this week's episode or share what's in your haunted cart from Sephora this week or anywhere else. Send us your sexy, unique scams and uh, maybe, I don't know, send us your favorite au natural cleaning products. We're always on the hunt. Please do. Have a great summer. Don't change. Or do. And we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Good For You is produced by yours truly, Wallace Miller Blanchard. Our theme song is by Parallel Dance Ensemble. And our wonderful editing is done by Softer Sound Studio. You can find more information about at the link in our show notes.